Are there any foodies out there? Anyone who loves watching cooking shows on the Food Network or leafing through cookbooks, experimenting in the kitchen? You know, I like to cook. Um, I'm getting better in my appreciation of good food, but I'm still very much a novice in so many ways. And so I'm always amused when I hear like a real foodie describe maybe like a fine wine or a gourmet dish. I'm, I'm sensing hints of black currants and leather and pine needles layered with charcoal and lavender with undertones of cappuccino and, I don't know, unicorn horn. And I'm like, okay, I guess. I mean, if it was my review, it would sound more like, I like this. It tastes good. Okay, it takes a refined palate to recognize and appreciate the beauty in the flavors of fine food or drink. Well, God, God wants to make us, our lives, into a fine and beautiful meal that displays his glory to the world. And the flavors that he wants tasted in the wine of our lives is something called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, which is our focus as we continue our Missing Person series, looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. And now before we get to the details, it's essential to remember that the flavors in this thing called the fruit of the Spirit are not simply moral commands. That's not what this is. This isn't just like nine different ways to live a better life. Although, I mean, they certainly do result in a better life when they're present. This isn't a call to live an upright, good, or moral life. It's so much more than that. And it's actually so much better than that. So much more delicious. Okay, to put it in the most obvious terms, the fruit of the Spirit is the flavor of Jesus. It's the flavor of Jesus. When we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit fills us and he begins to produce this good fruit in our lives. He begins to work in us, sanctifying us, transforming us to be more like Jesus. Andrew talked about the evidence of that last week. And you know, one of the most interesting things and often misunderstood aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is that the Bible teaches that it is, is one fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. But this single fruit that the Spirit produces has many characteristics of flavors, if you will. It's just like a fine wine or a recipe is like a single bottle of wine or a single dish. They have many complex and beautiful flavors that make up the meal or, or the drink that are tasted. And Galatians 5, 22 and verses 20, 22 and 23, they describe these flavors. Okay, you can turn there. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And in this text, Paul acts like, like a food critic. 
on the Food Network in describing the flavors uh, of what the, the fruit of Christ tastes like when somebody experiences a person fully submitted to the Holy Spirit's influence in their lives. Like, can't, can't you just taste it in their lives? Love. I'm getting undertones of joy and flavors of peace and forbearance. Beautiful tones of kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and you simply can't escape the unmistakable aftertaste of gentleness and and self-control. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it like attractive? Isn't it delicious? Yeah, because these flavors come together and they display the character of Jesus to a world that is starving and thirsty for him. You know, it's, it's kind of like my mom-in-law's stuffing at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Okay, who knows that stuffing is actually the best part of the turkey dinner? Just is. Well, her stuffing is actually, it's the best. Okay, it just is. Like, it's not even a point of discussion. Her stuffing kills it every single time. Like, I'll make stuffing at home, and I'll say, Deb, what do you think? And she'll be like, it's good. It's just not my mom's. And I'm like, oh, you're right. It's not. It's not as good. Like blindfold me, line up 10 different stuffings, and I would be able to recognize hers based on the flavors. Okay? And when somebody is filled with the fruit of the Spirit, people can just sense that they're different, that they're unique, that they are attractive, like delicious. The flavors of Jesus are on display how good does that sound? I'm, I'm getting hungry. Now, it may sound delicious, but it's important to remember as we begin that we, we actually can't do this. Okay? We can't just make the flavors of Jesus appear in our lives. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the master chef. We are simply sous chefs. Okay, if we try to produce this fruit in our lives by ourselves, we will fail miserably. The the recipe is a supernatural recipe. Like, look at this list. I can't produce Christ-like love by by myself. Naturally, my my love would be self-serving rather than others serving. I can't produce Christ-like lasting peace by myself. I I get anxious all the time. I mean, forbearance or, or patience? Yeah, right. If there's more than three cars ahead of me in the lineup at Tim Hortons, I get like bent out of shape. You get the point. This is a supernatural work of God in our lives. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, You can do nothing, okay? Apart, nothing, but close to him, now that's a different story. 
Okay, this is, is a partnership as we submit and learn and grow and remain and abide in Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us the character or the flavor of Jesus. It's a beautiful relationship between the Holy Spirit as the master chef, us as the sous chef, as God creates beautiful fruit in our lives. The flavor of Jesus. And so what I want to do for our time together is to look at the flavors that God wants to create in our lives and talk about some ways that we can actually partner with the Holy Spirit in producing the fruit that God wants us to have in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this as we submit to his presence. And there are nine flavors listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And we can actually spend like a week on each one. So these descriptions today and these applications, while not exhausted, will hopefully get the conversation started. Like if we can start to be aware of what God wants to do in our lives and our hearts, the things he wants to produce, that would be a win. So let's get started. First ingredient, love. Okay, like any good recipe or a fine beverage, there's like a foundational flavor that all the other flavors build upon. And when, when taking on the flavor of Christ, that flavor actually, it's got to be love. It just does. Okay, love really is the foundational flavor of the fruit that reflects Christ. Okay, and, and much like when you read a recipe, the main ingredient, right, it's usually listed first. Well, it's no surprise or coincidence that love is listed right here at the top of this recipe in Galatians 5. It's the most obvious flavor we taste when we consider the life of Jesus in the Bible, right? Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus showed his love for others by blessing and serving the poor and the sick and the distressed. He told his disciples, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. In John 15, where Jesus is talking about him being the vine, us being branches connected, he commands his disciples in five verses, no less than five times to love. And then throughout the New Testament, love is highlighted as the primary characteristic of a Jesus follower. And there are like dozens and dozens and dozens of verses in the New Testament that call us to love. Love is the primary flavor. Okay, the, the, the world should, should taste in us as followers of Jesus, not rule following, not judgment, but love. First, we're, we're called to love God with all of our heart and our soul and our minds and our strength. We're called to delight in God and to pursue him and to give him all that we have. God is worthy of our deepest affections and highest praise. And then we're called to love others. We're called to love others others. And Jesus didn't just suggest that we love others like he loved us. He commanded it. See, a Christian without the, the flavor of, of love is like a beef wellington without the beef. Like it might be something, but it's not a beef wellington. 
It would be like wine without grapes. The flavor of love is the foundational flavor of this fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in our hearts. You know, next week we're going to start talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But we started here today in, in, in looking at the, the character that the Spirit wants to produce in our lives, that primary one, that foundational one being love, because 1 Corinthians 13, 1, it, it tells us that love is more important than anything. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And so, like, how do we partner with the Holy Spirit in producing the flavor of love in our lives? That's a great question. I think gratitude is a great place to start. 1 John 4.19 tells us we love him because he first loved us, meaning we actually have the ability to love God and others because we're able to think about the love that he showed us by inviting us into this life-giving relationship with him because of the sacrifice he made. And our love for God flows out of our gratitude for God. And I think it's the same with people, right? When we actually reflect about the people in our lives, all the, the special things that make them unique and how grateful that we, we are, that they are part of our lives, our love grows. Why are, you, why are you thankful for the people in your life that are around you? And I think another way to increase the flavor of love in our lives is to follow the commandment of Jesus by following the example of Jesus, meaning love someone who the world might see as unlovable, right? Like think about someone who might be a challenge to, to love. It might even seem inconvenient or someone who's on the margins of society, the, the lonely, the sick, the dis, those in despair, the socially awkward, poor in material things, maybe poor in spirit, and love them. Okay, that muscle, that flavor of love, it won't grow stronger by just showing love to those whom it comes easy or natural to do so. But when we can love those that the world might see as unlovable, the same kinds of people that Jesus showed love to, the Holy Spirit begins to grow and increase the flavor of love in our lives in an ever-increasing way. So who, who can you love this week who might not get love in many other places? Okay, let's keep going. The next ingredient in the recipe of the fruit of the Spirit, joy. Okay, now joy goes way beyond just being happy. Okay, it goes way beyond just being happy. It's possible to be joyful even when life is hard. In James 1, 2, it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The joy of the Lord, the joy God gives us, is a supernatural gift. See, our joy as children of God, it comes from the fact that we know the living God, that all our sins have been forgiven, that we live with God 
now and we will for eternity and that nothing can separate us from the incredible, overwhelming, pursuing, never-ending love of God. Nothing can take that away from us. Like, just let that sink in for a second. We can have joy when we face trials of many kinds because God himself, the one who created the universe, is our loving father. Whoa. You know, I think joy is actually an often forgotten or undervalued ingredient in the recipe of of the fruit of our lives. But the flavor of joy, it's not only crucial, it's attractive and it's magnetic, it's contagious. Have you ever been around somebody who just like exudes joy? Like it seems like no matter what they're going through, there's this sense of, of joy. It's like you can taste it. That's a powerful thing. And so how do we partner with the Holy Spirit in producing joy in our lives? I just want to suggest maybe three ways, although there are many. One, joy celebrates. Joy celebrates. I don't don't think we celebrate enough. You know, it's one of the reasons that God instituted so many celebrations into the calendar of the Jewish people. They knew how to celebrate life. And I think sometimes when we experience like a win or something we're celebrating in life, we're so busy and we're so focused on the next thing that we don't really celebrate the thing that just was. And it, it steals our joy. Like what in your life can you actually stop this week and celebrate? Like take a moment. Maybe celebrate it with like a special meal with your friends or family or or maybe your team at work. Like just stop and say, we did it. That was awesome. Next, joy hopes. Joy hopes. What are some like dreams that you have? What are some things that you're looking forward to, that you're hoping for? Like if you don't have any, make some. Set some goals, put out some markers in your life. Think forward. You know, it's it's awfully difficult to cultivate joy in our hearts and in our life without hope. So spend some time this week dreaming and praying. And joy chooses. C.S. Lewis actually once said, you need to tell your moods where to get off sometimes. Meaning sometimes, even when we're not feeling it, when life hands us like a bad hand, when our circumstances don't make us happy, we have a choice to make. We can choose bitterness or resentment, or we can say, no, I I choose joy. Despite what's happening, I'm going to focus on that which is life-giving. And so this week when something negative happens, and it's, it's going to happen to all of us, some negative things in our week, tell your mood where, where to get off and choose joy. It's a powerful flavor. Next ingredient in this Galatians 5 recipe is peace. Okay, in the Christian context, peace is a sense of rest and calm that comes from knowing God. The Bible teaches that even when the storms of life are swirling and raging around us, we can have a true and lasting peace. 
It's possible. Well, how? By fixing our minds on God. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. See, the Holy Spirit cultivates peace in our character when we take our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances and we put them on God. And you know, it's actually a bit of a strange dichotomy, but we get peace in our lives and our hearts, not through trying harder or effort, but through surrender. We get peace by letting go and by giving it to God. And when we remember that God controls all things and we have now given Him our worries, okay, our concerns, it produces peace in our hearts. It's not easy, and sometimes we have to do it over and over and, and keep surrendering these worries and things to God, but it's the only way to grow in peace, surrender. And so what in your life, like, won't you let go of? What do you keep hanging on to? We all have something. Those, those things that we hang on to so tightly and try to control, this week, surrender it. Tell God, I'm letting this go and I'm giving this to you. I surrender. Stay your mind on God. Only through surrender do we grow in the flavor of peace. And these are conflicted days, yeah? Anxious days. Imagine the flavor of the peace of God. How refreshing and what a difference that would make. Let's keep rolling. Who doesn't need a dash of patience in their life? I do. Or forbearance, as some translations put it. Man, it's hard to be patient, yeah? Especially when we're waiting for something like really important. And especially because we live in a, in a world of instant gratification, we don't have to wait very long for very much these days. And as a result of that, our, our patience muscles, they, they get soft and they get flabby. And patience is an ingredient that's, that's often missing in, in our lives, but it's so important. You know, the more we become patient people, like you might ask yourself, why, why is this like a, a flavor that God wants to produce in my life? Patience, why is it so important? Because the more we become patient people, the more we become like Christ, who's always patient with us. He is patient with our weakness and our failings. He's patient with our sin. He is patient with 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 not treating us or giving us what we always deserve. Rather, he patiently brings us back to himself again and again. Like, I'm afraid to think about how many times Jesus has had to wait for my attitude or my actions to change, but he does. He patiently waits for me to turn around. Patience is such an important marker in the life of a maturing follower of Jesus. It really is a clear evidence that the Spirit is at work in our hearts and in our lives. But you know, I think patience, it, it only grows as we practice it. Like we actually have to practice patience. 
like all of these flavors, it's not instantaneous. It's not like Steve Rogers who gets an injection and suddenly he's Captain America. It doesn't work like that. It takes time to grow in these flavors, especially patience. But there are some ways we can partner with the Holy Spirit in this. So how can we work and partner with the Holy Spirit in producing patience in our lives? Well, intentionally engage in some things that involve waiting. Like, be intentional about it. Choose some things that involve waiting. Maybe that could be like planting a garden this summer and having to wait for the plants to grow and for the fruit or vegetables to come. Maybe that's marking something on your calendar that's like way further out and it forces you to wait and develops patience. Maybe it's not selecting Amazon Prime for your next order, but actually waiting a week for your package to come in the mail. Small steps, small steps. Okay, choose things intentionally that don't bring instant gratification. That's a great way for the Spirit to help produce patience in your life. And secondly, just be like really mindful uh, uh, of when you're being impatient, like when you're stuck in traffic and getting agitated, or when your toddler is taking 20 minutes to put their shoes on. Breathe. Call out impatience in your life. Recognize it and ask the Holy Spirit to help develop it in your heart. Let's keep going. Okay, because this recipe is getting tasty. The next ingredients, I'm actually going to group these two together, like salt and pepper, kindness and goodness. Okay, we live in a world that is desperate for kindness Okay, our, our culture is becoming increasingly unkind and ungood. People increasingly are treating one another with, with shocking amounts of unkindness. And when we are kind, we reflect the abundant and overwhelming kindness of God. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, he saved us. God saved us because he's infinitely kind. It's who he is, and he's good. God is constantly good. We can't escape God's goodness. We might not always recognize it, but it's always there. It's everywhere. We are surrounded by the kindness and goodness of God. And those two flavors, kindness and, and goodness, they're, they're kind of like, like salt and pepper, if you will. They're bold. They're, they're, they're in your face. They're active. They're crucial to taking on the flavor of Jesus, right? Salt brings out flavor. It's part of the reason why Jesus told us to be the salt of the earth. Like, you know it when you're eating something and there's not enough seasoning on your food, not enough salt or pepper. The dish comes alive when you add it. Likewise, when you add kindness and goodness in your life, these active and tangible and bold and upfront flavors, they stand out. Kindness and goodness are actually active flavors. Right? You, you, you just do them. You just do kind things. You just do good things. The best way to grow in kindness and goodness is to be intentional, to actually look for opportunities and then seize them. 
like to just intentionally be really robust about kindness and goodness. Like if somebody looks like they need a hug, give them a hug, do it. If somebody needs to borrow a tool, give them a tool. If somebody needs a free babysitter and you can do it, babysit for free. You get the point. Kindness does. Goodness actually does. It's active. And the more we look for opportunities to be kind and to be, to, to be good, the more we will be, become sensitive to the needs of other people. And the more we become sensitive to the needs of other people, the more we season the world. And the more we season the world, the more we become like Jesus. You know, it's why we're passionate at Compass about doing events like the Compass Run for food, feeding hungry people, supporting our food banks. It's why we have things like a newcomers team that welcomes refugees from um, other places in in the world that are seeking sanctuary and refuge. Kindness and goodness, just just do it. It's, It's part of what it means to be a follower of Christ, and it is a delicious flavor that our world needs. Okay, three more quick ingredients in this beautiful masterpiece the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life. A sprinkling of faithfulness is essential. Let me explain. God is faithful. In fact, his promise is to never leave or or forsake us. That's called faithfulness. But sometimes we are not always as faithful, right? Sometimes we are when it benefits us or fits into our schedules, but truth be told, this is a flavor that is often missing in our lives. And because faithfulness is hard, faithfulness endures. It doesn't give up. Faithfulness accepts people's mistakes. Faithfulness sticks it out when times are good and faithfulness sticks it out when times are bad. Faithfulness is is loyal. It's why the idea of faithfulness is such a big part of of like wedding vows between a couple. Okay, we, we need to promise it because it doesn't come naturally to us. It's hard work. Faithfulness is a decision to be there and to stay there no matter what. That's what faithfulness is. So how do we grow in faithfulness? Great question. We definitely need to ask the Holy Spirit for help on this one. We need to pray and ask him to increase the the flavor of faithfulness in our lives. We need to evaluate any areas of unfaithfulness in our lives, in our relationships, and we need to deal with them. Like maybe if you're married, there are areas where you aren't maybe living out the promises that you made in your vows. Maybe there's a friend in your life and like everybody else has given up on them. Maybe a friend who just never seems to get it right and and people are bailing on him. Like what would it look like if you told them, hey, I'm with you no matter what. Like I'm not leaving. And you didn't. Man, Holy Spirit, fill us with faithfulness in this faithless world. Okay, next, the flavor of gentleness. Okay, it's such a flavor we taste in the person of Jesus. 
not one we, we taste in our culture that celebrates brashness and harshness and force to get our way. Gentleness, it's often associated with weakness, but it's not. It's strength. I, mean, I am so glad that Jesus is gentle. Okay, what, what a sweet and intoxicating flavor Jesus must have been to his culture in, comparis in comparison to the harshness of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. You know, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be gentle towards one another. Proverbs 15.4 says, a wholesome and gentle tongue is a tree of life. Okay, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. When we speak and we act gently towards someone, towards one another, without being overly aggressive or harsh, it actually gives life. You know, around this whole idea of growing in gentleness as people, kind of like the idea of our words, that's kind of what really resonates with me. Like we can't under emphasize the power of our words to either build up or tear down. As we read through the Gospels, it's, it's, it's actually impossible to escape the way that Jesus selectively chooses his words to build people up. Encouraging words, life-giving words, correcting words when needed, but always gentle words. And we can grow in the flavor of gentleness in a really practical way right now today. Here's how we can do that. By choosing our words carefully. By intentionally speaking words of life. Gentle words. Try it and watch the difference it makes in your relationships. Okay, game changer. Game changer. And the final ingredient of this beautiful recipe found in Galatians 5, last but not least, the incredible wine that God wants to pour out of your lives, self-control. Self-control. It's no secret that it's also hard to be self-controlled, right? But self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit because it's actually, it's essential, right? To be self-controlled. Controlled, it means to be in control of one's thoughts and actions. That's what it means. It's the ability to say yes to things that are good and no to the things that are wrong. And one of the markers of a follower of Christ who's growing in the ability to choose wisely is this, this area of self-control, the ability to live a balanced life where we don't allow things to control us. Rather, we, we drive the bus of our lives. We're in control as we submit to the Holy Spirit. I'm always amazed at the balance of life that Jesus displayed through his thoughts and his actions and his emotions in some really trying circumstances, some really stressful moments. Like, think about it. When tempted by Satan in the wilderness, Jesus showed incredible self-control that resulted in victory through the promises of, of God, the promise of something better. Like, whatever areas in our lives that are out of control, God has something better. So how do we partner with the Holy Spirit in growing and producing self-control in our lives? 
One way, identify an area of your life that you feel is controlling you. Yeah, where there's unbalance in your life. Okay, maybe, maybe it's like too much time on, on social media or too much time watching TV. Maybe it's food, maybe like eating's out of balance in your life. Maybe it's work. I know for a lot of people, work is an area where they need to, to develop some self-control. You know, I think we all have areas in our lives that could use more balance. Well, identify them, pray and ask for the Spirit's help to put, put you back in the driver's seat in those areas because God has something better. Well, that's it. Those are the ingredients that produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, lives that reflect the flavor of Jesus. You know, there's just something about him. There was something irresistible about Jesus that made him intriguing to the curious, refreshing to the thirsty, filling to the hungry and good news to the lost and the lonely. And as we submit to the Spirit's work in these areas of our lives, he will do the same in us. God wants to create a breathtaking, flavorful, irresistible masterpiece out of you and out of me to feed a starving world that he so loves. Will you let him? So here's what I want you to do. Here's our application. Okay, look at that list of nine ingredients and choose one or maybe two of these flavors that you just kind of know aren't really emanating from your life right now. Like of those nine, pick one or two where you're like, yeah, I, I could use some more patience. Yeah, I could be a little more gentle. I could be a little more kind. Pick one or two of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, got yours? And let's do this. Let's partner with the Holy Spirit. Let's apply some of the things that we talked about Let's do our part, and let's, let's watch the master chef, the Holy Spirit, develop beautiful flavors in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much um, that you have given us this beautiful recipe in your word that resembles Jesus when lived out. And we recognize that this is not something that we can accomplish on our own. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, into the areas of our lives where our character really needs to look more like Jesus. God, do this for, uh, for those that we know 
those that we work beside, those in our family, those that we're connected to, that we would be a blessing in their lives as we emanate the flavor of Jesus and do it for your glory. That through us, many might experience the love, the peace, the saving power of Jesus. And it's in his beautiful name we pray these things. Amen.